We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Filato, and today we've got a special guest joining us. It's Russ Brown. You can find him on Twitter at RussNFLDraft, at RussNFLDraft. He's one of my favorite draft analysts in the planet, and we actually haven't had a chance to have him on the show yet, so we're excited to get him on the show to talk some Senior Bowl. And Russ, let's just start right there. Give me maybe your one or two or three, whatever it may be, key takeaways from your time spent down there and from what you saw during senior week. For me, it's more about the week and the practices leading up to the game rather than the game. I know a lot of people look at the box score, look at the stats of the game, but I want to get your key takeaways. Well, first and foremost, I have like this cold that's just, I don't even know where it came from. I was perfectly fine and now it's (laughs) just beating on me. But uh, yeah, no, it was a very interesting week. Um, one of my favorite players down there was Julius Brents and he's from Kansas state, the corner. I hyped him up a ton. He had probably the most consistent week of practice of any defensive player. Um, but yeah, I mean, the senior bowl is just so much fun, right? Like you mentioned the practices. I don't really look at the box score or at the game in a whole as itself. Like it's great to see those guys perform, but really the practices are what we all look forward to because you want to see what those guys can do in between plays. How do they take coaching? How do they do in, do in those one-on-one matchups? And I think that's kind of the key that I always look at is, you know, one-on-one, how do they match? You know, you get these small school guys, right? Aubrey Miller from Jackson State. How did he do covering running backs like Eric Gray from Oklahoma? He did a fine job. How did he do blitzing off the edge if he was ever sent off the edge one-on-one with a Darnell Wright from Tennessee? So I always look at those types of things. And really, it's just about a bunch of dudes sitting around talking football. And it's that's what just – I love so much about it. I get to meet so many different people. Uh, I met Nick there a couple of years ago and nice. um, you know, it's, it's just, it's such a fun time. And if, if nobody's ever been, I would highly advise go. Brenton, who you brought up out of Kansas state, what kind of corner is he? Is he more of a man coverage corner press man, but what, what's his style? What round should we start to look for him? And that was Kansas state, correct? Yeah. Now he's somebody that I've been hyping up since October, November. And um, he's your he guy. Is a, Oh yeah. Pound the table. My guy, it was at a point in mobile where like friends and colleagues were like, all right, we get it. Like he's good. We (laughs) understand, like talk about something else. So, um, I'll get him out of the way now. Um, but yeah, he's six, three, two Oh three, really good press man skills, great arm length. He really understands how to utilize his arms. And I think 
what really separates him for me is what he can do just laterally on the field. You know, really great length for the position, but he moves so fluidly with his lateral movement skills. So I think you put him in a press man situation. He's got the athleticism to recover if he ever gets beat, but he rarely lost a rep. He ended up getting dinged up during the week. He didn't play during the game. He hardly practiced on the third day of practice, but he did enough. And he was somebody that was probably in that fifth round conversation. And I, I think he's enough for a day two selection somewhere, you know, late second round, third round type of guy. Um, and I, I think he's got the ball skills to match as well. He's a really good tackler. I got to talk with him about it. And, and we even like discussed, I was like, Hey, people always say, how's your tackling after I post clips on you. And he simply said, just go check the tape. And he's somebody that he likes to, you know, get in the head of wide receivers as well. So there's times like the play has nothing to do with them and he'll get in like the hip pocket of a receiver, the plays away. And it's a big pass breakup by one of his teammates. And he just simply does one of those, you know, like he's like not yeah. happening, not on our watch. So he, he's a really fun player. And I think you both would uh, really like him. And I think the Giants would, would be really pleased to have him as well. Yeah, press man cornerbacks is something that Wink Martindale loves to have on his team, Russ. And also it's excellent to see you, my friend. And I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, this cornerback class is really deep. There are a lot of really good underclassmen as well who were not at the senior bowl. But let's focus on these senior bowl guys first. Other than the players that you already mentioned, what other cornerbacks really showed up? Because there are a lot of names I saw coming across the timeline, like the Stanford kid, Darius Rush from South Carolina. So can you speak to us on the man coverage abilities of some of those other corners that were down in Mobile? Yeah, Darius Rush is somebody from South Carolina that really stood out. He was a, a player that I watched uh, two games of before going down to the Senior Bowl, and I thought he played with really good patience when you know the, the ball was thrown his way. I thought he did a really good job playing through the catch point, but when you watch him down at the Senior Bowl, I mean, he was essentially running the routes for the wide receivers. He was in their hip pocket. When they would break inside, he already knew it was coming. He was jumping routes left and right. He had a couple of interceptions, a couple of key pass breakups, and he's somebody that at, you know, six foot, six one, 195, 200 pounds, he moves really well for a player his size. Now, I don't know if press man is necessarily the, the direction he goes at the next level. He might play a little bit further off uh, because, again, he's really patient. He can sink his hips. He can close quickly to the football. So you might want to play him a little bit further back, and, and he can maybe jump some of those routes, especially like those in-breaking routes and things like that. So I like his skill set. That's probably a, a – a, early day three pick i think he's he's done enough to really justify that type of selection if you took him in the fourth round um you know he's he, he he doesn't get the love as his teammate cam smith an underclassman out of south carolina who's kind of generated some first round second round buzz but darius rush is a hell of a player and i think he is somebody that did enough this week to where he he really stood out and i, I can get into some other corners but i know we have a listener question on two guys in specific so i was going to just hold off in case we got to those guys <laughs> It's cool, man, with uh, Rush. I actually watched his tape, and if I'm not mistaken as well, he was a former wide receiver, correct? Mm -hmm. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of room to grow there, and I'm always looking at the Giants defensive back coach, Jerome Henderson. I feel like he can always take those moldable pieces of clay and turn them into gold. So Rush's name was actually somebody that was on my radar after he had such a damn good senior bowl uh, week. But who were those other cornerbacks that you were referencing? Yeah, so Caillou Blue Kelly uh, from Stanford. I know I butchered his first name. It's not actually how you say it, I, but that's how it's spelled. So that's how I say it. And I've got to get adjusted to spelling uh, blue without an E because every time I was writing up his stuff, I was like B-L-U-E. Um, but yeah, he's the son of Brian Kelly, who spent 11 seasons in the NFL. He played for Tampa, won a Super Bowl with uh, Pittsburgh. His position coach at Pittsburgh in 2002 was Mike Tomlin. 
Um, and, you know, I think he's probably going to potentially be a Pittsburgh Steeler just because of that type of connection and how connected Pittsburgh Steelers are to the senior bowl. And, and when they get a live look at a guy and he was somebody that was super smooth, right? He smooth in his back pedal. He can sink his hips. He plays really big for a player, his size. He checked in at six, one, one ninety three, really physical with 32 inch arms. Um, he jumped a bunch of routes, had a bunch of pass breakups. The biggest concern with him is, is probably, and as you go into a, you know, third, fourth round range for another corner, Kelly is somebody that just has not been healthy. 2020, he was uh, shut down because of a foot injury. It limited him in 2021. And eventually, he was just shut down completely uh, in 2022. So he was somebody that I, I think um, has the ball skills. He, you know, the ball skills were limited in college in a sense. Um, and then the other guy, Tyreek Stevenson, corner out of Miami, Florida. He played at Georgia before Miami. Uh, tons of experience. He's got over 1,400 career snaps the last three seasons, and he's six foot 204. You watch him play, and you're like, "Hey, this guy, um, th this guy looks like a slot corner when you're watching him because he doesn't look that big." And then you meet him, and he's got 32 inch arms, and he's super physical, and he's super fluid. Now he's somebody for me that, and I, I like his fit actually with Wink Martindale because the amount of times that they run nickel and dime and things like that. I think him as an additional defender in that backfield would be phenomenal because of how well he closes because of how physical he is. I think you can maybe even have him more of a, as an overhang at times, if you felt like he was limited on the outside, he could cover tight ends, cover the slot. He could blitz because he's so athletic. So I really like the blend of size and speed that he has. And I think he'd be a really good fit maybe as more of that buzz defender uh, for Wink Martindale and any of those types of packages that he throws defensively. That's really intriguing right there because, and that's Tyreek Stevenson, the corner, or yeah. as Russ described, kind of positionless defensive back potentially at the next level, depending on the defensive coordinator who gets him out of Miami. And I've felt like we've needed, the Giants have needed a better player in that exact position, at least based on last year. I wasn't really pleased with what we had there. Um, so I'm definitely someone who's, um, that's someone who I'm circling on the list. I'm going to take a little bit more of a deeper look into, but we might as well, at least as we're rolling through these, get into some of these listener questions now, and then we can go back in the discussion of some of the other things Nick and I have, because we wanted to make sure we got all these listener questions in. And that one was from Anash Maparanga. And I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. As anyone who's listened to this podcast knows, I'm very bad with name pronunciations. You'll see Same. a few more hit as we get through these prospects, but this is a name that I can pronounce for the next question. It's Michael Volkert who says, and we'll get back into some other discussion, but I wanted to kind of tackle these while we're here. He says, who are some of your favorite day three steals we might be able to look out for? I think you mentioned earlier. I mean, I thought it was interesting to hear how you described your favorite player in, in this group when you met, when you talked about him earlier, because I was thinking about last year with Tyreek Woolen and like how he ended up being a day three steal despite everything he put out there in the process that would lead you to believe he would move up the board so are those the types of players where you're looking forward day three seals kind of like the bet on traits guys or, or kind of break down your process for that and some players to look out for and where they played what school they played at yeah it's a really good question and i would like to apologize actually to you both uh caillou blue kelly is not the one with the foot injury it was michael okay. wilson of stanford I, I mixed up both stanford kids um and i did it all week long because I, you just didn't, I didn't watch a ton of Stanford cause they were yep. terrible this year. You know, you watch one or two games of those guys, but uh, yeah, for, for my process, yeah, I'm definitely a bet on traits guy. When you get into day three, if you got a guy that can run really fast or you got somebody that just is really technically sound and maybe he doesn't have the, the speed or the experience. He's somebody that if I feel like can go to an NFL locker room, 
get into their weight room and really start to either bulk up, add some weight, or really just get the NFL coaching. Uh, those are guys that I really like. And as we talk about day three, the, the kind of the leader of the pack for me is Cam Jones, the linebacker from Indiana. He kind of fits exactly what I'm discussing here as far as traits, adding a little weight and, and, and strength to his frame. He's 6'1", 226. I think you could add probably five pounds to him of just pure muscle. And he's already shredded, but he can definitely add a little bit more and still be, I think, an effective mover in space. And he just was a, a phenomenal guy to interview. He's got great leadership really good energy about him. He was calling out the base defense, telling guys to pick their heads up, don't get down on yourself. I love seeing that type of stuff because that's stuff that you don't teach, right? Those are guys that he understands what his job is and what type of you know process this is for him. So he was a former safety and it just seemed like over time he got a little bit closer and closer to the football. And he was somebody that I talked to uh, with Kyle Krabs at the Draft Network quite a bit about uh, because he, he was kind of dinged up a little bit. He only played four or five games this past year. But he's maybe more of like that, you know, somebody that you want to blitz. He can he can excel in run fits, but really as a mid-hook defender, I really like his skill set there. So when you're dropping him back into coverage, and as we mentioned, Meek Martindale going to go a lot of nickel, a lot of dime. You might only have one linebacker on the field at times, especially if you're bringing, you know, Xavier McKinney up into the box. Well, maybe you, you blitz McKinney and you drop somebody like Cam Jones back. So I think he would be a phenomenal pick for them. And then the other three steals that I have are really – all receivers, because I think when you look at the Giants, we can all say that nobody operated with more or operated with less uh, than, than Daniel Jones. So I think you got to get him some weapons. I'll start with Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma, 5'11", 177. The kid can fly, oh, real vertical threat. And I think he's, you know, he's probably more of a wide receiver three or four at the next level. But when you get that vertical threat, you know, somebody that can take the top off a of defense, it's important because it opens up so much underneath. So I think he'd be a, a huge asset. And then Charlie he packs Jones, the football um, really well too on those verticals. Yeah, he, that's something I noticed. Yeah, he really does. And, and somebody that I think even tracks it better since we, we talked about tracking, it's my guy, Jaden Reed from Michigan State. And yeah, I'm wearing a Michigan State hoodie. That's <laughs> you know no big deal. But he was a, he was a really good interview too. He was somebody that was really humble, and it, I, I hope this makes sense when I say this. He was really humble, but you could see the chip on his shoulder, right? Like he knows a lot of people are doubting him because he's only five ten. Uh, you know, a buck 96, but he's really, really quick in the short areas of the field. He has a plus tracking ability. He's got special teams ability. He just makes sense of probably that wide receiver three wide receiver four gadget type player at the, at the next level, probably going to be a day three pick, but again, somebody that's just going to be, I think really solid at the next level. And I think the giants would love to have him because of what they've done with some of the guys that they've, they've already got. And then lastly, wide receiver wise is Charlie Jones from Purdue six foot one eighty eight. Long career, Buffalo, Iowa, figured it out at Purdue, had 110 receptions, um, kind of like that stick route specialist, right? He understands where the, you know, the soft spots are in coverage, and he understands when to plant his foot, turn, and face the, the, the quarterback. So I don't think he's going to be anything crazy. He's just going to be probably super productive you know, uh, between the sticks, and I, I think he's just a fun player. And if he can stay healthy, I think he can really carve out a role, and I'm, I'm – I'm hoping that he doesn't turn into the wide receiver from Cal. Who was the wide receiver from Cal a couple of years ago? Was his first name David? I want to say Davis Webb, but I know that was the quarterback. Yeah, was a wide... I know who you're talking about. The quarterback, he the, was the receiver the that he that did a lot of work with Davis Webb, that receiver. Yeah, I can't. Uh, he went to the Jets. Name. It was Chad Hanson. Yeah, we didn't even yes, go by Chad. Hansen. I don't remember the Timothy. Chad Hanson. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that Charlie Jones My... might be that. Okay. He might be a little bit better. So just to recap real quick, because I like to make sure we do this because a lot of the listeners um, 
say sometimes we we do a pro- we have a problem doing this. Just real quick, give us those the name of each player that we, was your sleeper at receiver, then what college they played at. Marvin Marvin Mims, wide receiver, Oklahoma. Charlie Jones, wide receiver, Purdue. And Jaden Reed, wide receiver, Michigan State. And then just defensively, Cam Jones, linebacker, Indiana. And just to recap that real quick, Mims was the deep ball specialist, the threat for the Giants yeah. that they don't really have. Um, second player, go over again real quick. Uh, Jaden Reed. Gadget player. Right. Gadget player, yep. Read the gadget player. And I know people say, oh, we just drafted a gadget player with Wondell. But trust me, in this system, you can use as many of those as you can get, especially with the injuries. And then finally, mm-hmm. the, the Chad Hansen, uh, the Chad Hansen cop, <laughs> the stick route specialist. But look, you need that too. The Giants found a lot of success with Isaiah Hodgins this year, and he's in a lot of ways somewhat like a stick route specialist. He absolutely yeah. is. And it's just finding space, right? That's that's mm-hmm. what Isaiah Hodgins did so well, right. is just understanding leverage and how to uncover. But Russ, since we're talking about the wide receiver position. I want to ask you about one guy in particular who I kept seeing just pop up on the timeline. And then I ended up evaluating his film and I really liked him, but he's really undersized. And that's going to be tank Dell, but outside of tank Dell, can you also just discuss the rest of the wide receivers that were down there? And are there any bigger body type of wide receivers who impressed you down at the senior bowl? Yeah. I mean, um, tank Dell, 163 pounds is the biggest thing, right? Like that's going to be the biggest thing anybody talks about is, is that Tutu Atwell? What is he at the next level, right? So I, I, I know he's a slot receiver. We all know that, but he plays really physical for that size. And maybe that's why he's just nicknamed Tank, right? But uh, he, he's going he's gonna to probably be that special teams type guy that can return and, and, and take kicks and punts, but he might be able to operate, you know, in the short and intermediate areas of the field pretty effectively. But the other name is Michael Wilson from Stanford, who I mixed yep. up earlier as far as his injuries. The foot injury is what held him back a bunch from 2020 all the way through 2022. But he is somebody that I think is more than likely a day three pick just because of the injury history. Might be more so that wide receiver three and four, uh, just because he might be limited as far as his overall speed. Again, health. But he's 6'1", 216, 31-inch arms. He really uses his size to his advantage, which you don't really expect. But really his release package is what you know separated him this week. He couldn't get touched. I mean, guys were trying to press him. And he would just get around him, inside release, outside release. And, you know, those one-on-ones with receivers and corners is always a disadvantage for everybody. And it's not realistic. But then in the every game, corner. he comes out. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. And, and in, in the game, he comes out inside release, does a really good job, almost catches one in the end zone, uh, one-handed, didn't come down with it. But he he's probably not really an X receiver, probably more of like that Z type of receiver. But I like his skill set, and if he can stay healthy, he might be a decent find somewhere uh, probably on day three. And he, he'd probably be under that day three steal list. But, you know, he's not somebody that I've watched. Again, I haven't watched a ton of his tape. I've only watched the one game, uh, which was against Oregon. I got a few other players I wanted to hear about as long as we're, we're asking you about players. Uh, I want to start with one of my early draft crushes here, and I know he finally got a chance to. He's He's healthier than he was. I heard an interview with him where he said, I'm recovered, but I'm still, he's still kind of getting his legs under him, uh, recovering from the knee injury. And that's Luke Musgrave, the tight end out of Oregon State. I'm just a traits guy, Russ. And I, I see someone who moves like that at six foot six, 250. He's a tight end, 10 and a half inch hands. I watched a rep of his in, at the, uh, during the week where he was going against a defensive back. I forgot who it was. I think it was Ward. I'm forgetting from where. And this is a you know, quicker, smaller defensive back. I thought right away he did an awesome job just kind of ripping his arm down right on the release. And then he stacked him vertically. And I was just like, damn. And I'm watching this guy at six foot six, 250 with the ability to do that. I read a little bit, heard he was, he showed out pretty well as a run blocker as well this week. 
So, I mean, I'm looking at six. That's just, those are the, and, and I know during the season he had like 11 catches from, I have it right here, 11 catches for 169 yards and a touchdown in just two games and he got injured. And so it's kind of like that injury profile. Did you see anything from him this week? Was he fully healthy? Is that a player who intrigues you? Yeah, he does. I mean, he he's not necessarily the guy that's near the top of the list for tight ends for me. I'm a big Dalton Kincaid out of Utah guy. I yeah. still like Michael Mayer a lot from Notre Dame. Um, but I can see the buzz with Musgrave, right? You mentioned traits, super fluid for a guy that's 6'6". I think he does a, a relatively decent job catching away from his frame. But there were a couple times where he dropped some some kind of key passes during practice um, that didn't really get highlighted or talked about a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's got massive hands, and, and he's a pretty good run blocker. And I think he is somebody that if he can stay healthy, he can definitely get to that potential tight end one type of spot and and he might be a perfect fit for the Giants depending on how they kind of go through this offseason if they go and value a tight end even though I think they like Daniel Bellinger a lot but I think we can all agree he's probably more of a a tight end too and if they're looking to really get that number one tight end in the offense I could see them taking a swing at Luke Musgrave just because of of how the the team played and performed Um, and and again you might have to do it late in the first round just simply because if he goes into into day two he's probably going to go relatively early so I think he is somebody that is super intriguing because of his traits. I want to see how he tests. I think if he blows the doors off the oh, combine, yeah. you know, he, you know, and I get it. We don't, we can't just all evaluate 40 times and be like, Oh, that's great. But when those guys are doing three cone drills and they're running in a straight line, super fast, it's super intriguing. And we already know they it blows up every year. So <laughs> why stop resisting it and acting like it doesn't matter? Cause it does matter to the NFL. That's why they do it every year. Especially um, another guy, position. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. And another guy, you know, he's not going to blow up the combine, but he was super efficient. He got better every day as we talk tight ends. Payne Durham from Purdue. Yeah. Really good size, 6'5", 255. Just kind of built like a, you know, a, a brick house in a way. Really efficient as a zone blocker. He can reach. He can, he can step down really hard. He gets into the chest plates of defenders. And he just knocks. I mean, he just takes them down. It's just it's incredible how strong he really is. But he was somebody that effectively got better as a pass catcher. He's consistently catching away from his frame. I don't think he he trapped one catch all week. Love and he that. made some really yeah, he made some really impressive grabs like on a corner route into the end zone, got absolutely wrecked. Helmet flew off and he still somehow had the ball. I don't know. But he he's he's in an interesting evaluation because as I watched Charlie Jones and I watched him before the senior bowl, Payne was somebody that one route he would look super fluid breaking in and then he would break out and he looked like a mess and it was like where's the consistency as far as his route running ability kind of stiff in the hips but i think he's got the ability to really again probably one of those guys you bet on traits you get him into the nfl he maybe gets a little bit quicker becomes a little bit more fluid i think he's somebody worth kind of targeting and if and if the giants wanted to roll with daniel bellinger and Payne durham i think that would excite me as a giants fan Payne Durham's interesting too, Dan, because this dude has 80 plus inch wingspan. It's almost 81 inches and 33 plus inch arms. Like he's gigantic catch radius, which I really feel like the Mm -hmm. Giants could use up the seam. What were you going to say, bud? I was just going to say with both of those guys, we're breaking, we just broke down Luke Musgrave and Payne. It's like neither, like Russ said, neither of those guys are really in anyone's top three and probably shouldn't be at the position, but yet they're both like six, six, two fifty or six, five, two fifty five. It's just thinking about it from that standpoint, like, I don't know if I can remember. It's early. I haven't really done enough, anywhere near the research I need to do on this draft class. We're February, early February, but from the outside looking in, I can't think of a tight end class that's looked anywhere near 
this impressive. Like in my whole time doing this, we're talking about those guys. Like normally, if you're talking about those types of prospects, they could be like, for me, like I would see other classes where like, you can make the case like, ah, you might want to take this guy before on these other tight ends. Cause the rest of them are like six foot two, two forty, but they were good in college. Like these are real guys that could project to play like tight end one at the next level. And we're just talking about seniors too. Like right. you want to start talking about like Michael Meyer. That's what I'm saying. Those, there's three guys ahead of any of these guys. Yeah, Michael Mayer. Porta from Iowa. Right. Guy. Kincaid is, might be the best of the whole class. So it's it's an insane class at tight end, I feel like. I'm very intrigued by this class. I'm a big tight end drafter kind of guy, so I, I'll be thinking about tight ends at different spots of this draft for the Giants potentially. But, Russ, I want to transition a little bit to the offensive line. Just kind of watching the practice film and then even watching the game, it seemed like the offensive line was the defining factor for each team throughout the week. So, first, I want to bring up one player in particular, and that is the Ohio State tackle, Dewan Jones. I believe he only practiced one day, and I think he had, yeah. like, just, look, I'm going to show up. I'm 375 pounds. I literally almost have a 90-inch wingspan, which is absolutely unreal. I'm going to dominate one day of practice, and then I'm just going to, you know, put my cleats up because I just impressed the entire NFL world. So can you just discuss what was it like seeing a man of that size and then just expound on the rest of your opinions about the offensive line down at Mobile? Yeah. Dewan Jones is just massive, right? That first day I was down on the field and he like walked by and I was like, this is why I'm doing this and not doing that because this guy <laughs> is just massive. My, my, my biggest thing with him is, you know, how does, how does he handle speed at the next level? I know he's a former basketball player, so he's a pretty decent athlete. But when you're talking about players that size, it's really hard for them to translate to the NFL. Let's just be honest. And I'm not I'm not trying to ruffle the, the feathers of, you know, Jets fans out there with Mekhi Becton or anything like that. But at the same time, those guys, it's just it's tough because they get to the NFL. They're not playing in the Big Ten anymore. They're playing against right. the premier speed of the NFL off the edge. And like watching him against, uh, you know, a Nick Bosa, that would be just, you know, pay-per-view TV because I don't know if he wins every rep. But again, you mentioned the wingspan. He can just kind of reach out there and grab somebody. He's more than likely a starting right tackle at the next level. I don't think he moves inside. And he's probably going to be, you know, is there a chance he's a, a late first-round pick? It's very possible. You look at, like, Cincinnati. You you know, you, you look at just a team like maybe Philadelphia because they've kind of got the luxury of having multiple picks in this draft, especially in the first round. But I, I like what he provides as far as his overall size. I think he's a devastating run blocker because of his size. But he just, again, the speed matchup is what's going to really be the question mark for him at the next level. And, yeah, he dipped after one practice. Now, there was, like, this rumor, like, he basically just packed up and left. He didn't do that. He obviously got with his agent. They said, look, you're good. So that tells me that I think the NFL saw enough after one day and said, we're good. And probably there's going to be teams that value him at the back end of the first round. But other guys that really stood out, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, I really like his skill set. I don't think he gets talked about nearly enough 65322 um he gave up five sacks this past year but he looks like a left tackle at the next level and i'm just hoping i don't fall for the trap of a guy that has the foot speed needed to kind of translate to the nfl and then he ends up becoming like austin jackson or something like that i'm just hoping yeah. that's not the case it's called but the matt parent russell brown <laughs> <laughs> right exactly i think exactly. over time though if you bet on foot speed you win at that position so i think it's fine to, to miss sometimes there yeah, and he's somebody that, you know, at times the the consistency just isn't there. Like in the game, one of the first plays of the game, he he missed that, you know, rep off the edge against KJ Henry, kind of stopped his feet in his kick slide as he was just going through that drag step on his on a on a second, third step of his kick slide. He just completely, you know, stopped moving his feet and didn't end up um, 
you know, punching and kind of riding it out, but he's super intriguing. And, and I think he's got versatility to kind of play in a variety of spots from right tackle to left tackle. And again, with that size, you could probably play him at guard. Another guy, Darnell Wright, Tennessee, snatch trap technique, snatch trap technique, snatch trap technique. This guy is super aggressive. And when you talk with them, he's like, I just know that, you know, I know the leverage points of defenders. I know that they like to lean. I know they're not as strong as me. So the moment they start leaning, I just bring them down and he chops down and he snats and traps them. So I think he's, he's, I think he's a right tackle. I think kind of similar to Dewan Jones, he's going to struggle with speed from time to time. So he might be a future right guard at the next level, but I think he made himself some money as well. And I would say, you know, out of those three, those were the guys that really just really stood out consistently in every rep of all three days. Can I get your thoughts on a couple other offensive linemen that have received buzz during the week? And just, just, just want to hear what you have to think about both of them. The first would be, uh, and I'm, again, I'm going to miss all these names, but John Michael Schmitz, I think it is. I love, I love a good SEH last name, love a good SEH last name, but I don't think he's uh, part of the tribe, but I'm pretty sure he's not, but probably just another one of those like massive Germans they have out in the Midwest, just like all of Wisconsin's (laughs) offensive line over the last decade is like 30 to 40% just these white Germans from like the farms of Wisconsin they're they're finding and like putting out there. They're never Jewish. I always want them to be, but they never are. But uh, (laughs) let's talk about John Michael Schmitz and is he as good as people are making him out to be this week? And where do you kind of see him? Because I thought he was more of like a day two, day three guy. Now I'm hearing he might be like a round one type pick. Where, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, he was, I think, as good as advertised and, and maybe better than advertised. And as we talk about, you know, as I mentioned earlier with Julius Brents, did wonders more, you know, more consistent than just about anybody. Offensively, John Michael Schmitz was just all day, every day, nonstop. I mean, the fact that he can reach as a center and get to a four eye with ease it's impressive, man. Like mm-hmm. you don't see centers do that all the time. And it's not like you have to worry about overall size with him. You know, you look at uh, Garrett Bradbury, who was somebody from NC State that I loved a few years ago, went in the back end of the first round to uh, Minnesota. Right. He, he, he's not necessarily that guy for them because he's got a super thin lower body. Michael Schmitz is just stacked. I mean, he is super thick, 6'4", 320. Like I mentioned, moves really well. He's going to be a plug-and-play guy. And I think when you get into the uncertainty of this draft, because let's be honest, this draft is good, but it's not as good as other years that I've seen. And when I look at a guy that, you know, and as we get into those question marks, you get into a guy that can be a plug-and-play guy. To me, that moves his value up the the draft board. So I think he is somebody that can potentially go to a place like, you know, potentially Buffalo and become a guard and then become that center for them down the road. I I think a, a team like Philly is super intriguing because. Again, they can kind of do whatever they want. I think Kansas City's intriguing. I think Cincinnati. I mean, there's a lot of spots for him. So as a pass protector, he's got a good anchor. He can sit. As a run blocker, he can reach. And he can get up in space. And he's just – he's super smooth, man. And he was a just such an interesting interview because you can tell, like, he's an offensive lineman that doesn't talk to reporters a bunch. And, like, there was a lot of hesitation mm-hmm. in what, you know, as you talk to him. But he's just – he's a good leader. He's He's – He's super vocal on the field. And probably the highlight of the week was there was a screenplay to Tajay Spears where he gets out in space, lights up a linebacker, like like just devours him. And he gives us a Ric Flair woo and just finger points to his offensive line coaches and runs back. And like that was the last play of the day. And it was like, (laughs) this guy's awesome. So I like his skill set. I think he's a borderline first rounder for sure. Okay, nice. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. See, I like to hear that. And I honestly think he could be, and the New York Giants have a lot of holes on their roster, right? But I think the Giants can entertain that. I think one of the low-key, huge things the Giants have missed over the last, what, Dan, decade has been like a true center. It's just been kind of yeah. recycling guards in at the center position and and trying to leverage their skill sets. But we want a true center here in New York. So that's a name definitely to remember. And another name, this was somebody who played tackle, I believe, in college, Cody Mock. Can you tell us about him? I mean, this dude has the look. He has no front teeth, long red hair, just looks like an offensive lineman. How effective was he down in Mobile? Yeah, no front teeth is, is definitely the thing. He is he's definitely a guard at the next level for sure. Uh for me. I, I like his skill set though. I think he can potentially be kind of a, a plug and play guard just because what you see with him is what you're gonna get. He's a little bit older, right? Gonna be, I think, twenty seven this coming year. Ooh, but oh, did not know that. Did not yeah, know I think that he's, either. I I think he's twenty six, if I remember correctly. Not great, Bob. Yeah, not great. But again, when you're talking about, you know, a, a guy that could come in and play for four or five years, six years, I don't think that's a problem. And, and maybe he ends up playing a decade. You, you never know. It's a little, you know, probably a little rare. Um, but yeah, I, I like his skill set as somebody that plays guard. He's got the experience playing left tackle, but he's got good length, good overall size. He moves pretty well for a player his size. Uh, there were times that he struggled with speed at times, you know, he kind of, you know, wouldn't transfer his weight from his post foot to his set foot and whether it was an inside speed rush or just an outside speed rush, you know, his hands kind of hit high. But I think as you look at him, when he reach blocks, when he, he chips and he climbs up to the second level, it's all there for him. And if you get him again, NFL coaching, I think as a plug and play type of guy, he can become, you know, really solid for a team. And I like him as a day two pick. I, I mean, I've heard some people go, oh, I think he could be a back end first rounder. Wow. As we mentioned, like Cincinnati, I don't see that being the case. I think he just is a, a day two guy that we talk about as maybe a top 50 pick more often than not. And um, again, probably going to be a plug and play guy just because of the age. Can I ask you a quick 30,000 foot view question then on that? And and first, before I do that, I just want to yeah. recap the players we've discussed and what colleges they were at. That's John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota Center. And this is Cody Mock from North Dakota State. A tackle we think is going to convert to the interior. So a more 30,000 foot view, because when you when you mentioned like that, you view him as a day two. And some people are talking about him going to the back end of the first round. For me, that scares the hell out of me. If you're talking about a 26-year-old prospect being drafted. He's a little bit younger top. than that. He's not 26. Yeah, he's 24. Yeah, I just, just fact-checked it. Okay, that's all right. Let's well, so so he's twenty four. 
Yeah. Okay, so that's definitely a little less alarming for me. But I can still ask you this <laughs> overall thing. 26 was just wildly alarming for me. But I'll ask because I'm just thinking about, like, the dude from the Eagles. They took that firefighter in the first round. And just Danny all the other guys over the years walking. That are just like – and I know it kind of worked with Garrett Bowles for a little while when he had Munchak there and he kind of fixed Bowles. And now Bowles is kind of regressing back to what, but I just, what I worry about, it's not even like the age and like how long they have in the NFL. What I worry about is this, these are like, if it was a 26 year old, we're talking about a 26 year old against like 18 and 19 year old kids on sometimes on the defensive line. So what are your thoughts on age with that, from that standpoint, does that scare you at all because of who they're matching up against at the college level versus what they have to face like grown men in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that is super interesting because you you think about it like I'm only 31, but I already know the body's starting to slow down, right? And as yeah. you get older, the joints and the pains, and you, I think you're a little bit more, you know, prone to become injured uh, because of just the speed of the, of the game. And as you mentioned, you know, you're talking 19, 20, 21-year-old kids coming at you. Um, so I think it's really intriguing. I guess I, I never really thought about guys like Danny Watkins and Garrett Bull, some of those older offensive linemen that have never really – I don't want to say never panned out because Garrett Bowles, like you mentioned, was pretty decent for a little while. But yeah, you know, it, it is super intriguing. And I I I think with time, these guys, it just kind of catches up with them, especially if they've been playing football for a long time. You know, you're talking about when you get a, a rookie offensive lineman at 22, it's a heck of a lot different when you're getting right. them at 26. I mean, you're talking about an extra four years of wear and tear on the tires, uh, especially at the position because it is the most physical position in football when you're playing down in the trenches. So it's definitely something that I look at. I don't, I don't want to say I overlook it uh, just because you know, that I don't hold any value to it. Cause if a guy can play, I'm going to draft them because I think of it like this GMs and coaches, they don't get super long windows. It's rare for right. the John Harbaugh's and the Mike Tomlin's and the Bill Belichick's of the world to be coaching at one team for so long. But you know, the teams that are kind of interchanging all the time, it, it, it definitely matters. So if you can get a guy that can, like I said, play four, five, six years in the league. I think that's a win for you. Yeah. So let's transition, Russ, to the defensive side of the football. And I want to start with somebody who is more than likely near and dear to Dan's heart. And that is a Wisconsin Badger, Wisconsin player, the Wisconsin defensive lineman, Keanu Benton. Can you discuss with us how successful his week was? Because it just seems like the timeline has been kind of heaping praise towards Benton, and I'm sure Dan's very happy about that. Yeah, he was somebody that, I, I thought was a little bit underrated going into this event. And then he comes in and he plays incredibly well at X at six, three, like 310 pounds. And he's just, he looks like a plug and play three technique mm -hmm. at the next level. And he's going to be, you know, a day two pick. And he's going to be somebody that carves out seven, eight, nine years in the NFL consistent across the board. There's going to be times that he gets stonewalled. There's going to be times that, you know, he doesn't generate the pressure. He's going to lose those one-on-ones. But watching kind of the, the the moves that he had to his arsenal, from the swim move to the double swipe move to just some power in his game or just flat-out speed, it was really intriguing to see. And I kind of said this a couple times during the week, and, and it's probably bad because, again, I'm not a big pro comparison guy. So for anybody out there, don't get mad at me. Don't send the pitchforks my way. But he <laughs> – at he at times reminded me of like shades of Kenny Clark. Now I don't think he's as, I don't think he's as explosive as Kenny and I don't think he necessarily has the speed to his game like Kenny has, but I think he is somebody again, plug and play three technique and probably a little bit more versatile than I'm giving him credit for. Cause he can play as a zero shade. He can play as a two eye, but he's going to move around. And 
I think those teams that really need interior defensive line help and the Giants could be one of those teams. I think that they would really benefit with a guy like that. And first day I was, I mean, first day of practice, I'm on the sidelines. I'm standing right behind Link Martindale. And he was talking to almost every defensive prospect that came his way. So I think he would take a liking to a Keanu Benton. Um, certainly, you know, as the Giants evaluate this defensive line class or really their, their roster of how they want to, you know, establish things to pair with, you know, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and Kayvon, I think Benton would be somebody really high on their list. Yeah, and that's Keanu Benton, the interior defensive lineman of Wisconsin. Uh, Steelers scout Ike Taylor was there. He said this dude is flat out special when referring to Benton, mm-hmm. which I don't think he said about any other player. So I just wanted to throw that in as an obvious Badger fan thing here. Um, I'll also say this, having played on Jim Leonard's offensive line, I think he's prepared to play all those positions across the offensive line, and that gives him a step up for the next level. I actually think you're going to still be able to get him like late day, uh, mid to late day two. Just, you know, you've seen some of these guys. Who was the kid from UConn who had a great senior bowl? I think Travis Jones. Or Travis, Travis, Jones. Jones. Travis Jones. He had a great senior bowl, a lot of buzz, and then still he ends up going like mid day two. Like these types of interior defensive alignment just never go too high. So look, if you're a team that's in that range and you have a good, and I don't even think you have to have a complete roster. Like the giants need interior defensive line help at this point. Like if it takes that pick to get them a second round pick or a third round pick, I'm, I don't even just the second round pick. I don't know if I would hate that really at this point. I mean, you also got to look too, man. This interior defensive line class has some real studs at the top with yeah. obviously Jalen Carter, who could be the first overall pick, and then Brian Brzee from Clemson. I wanted to ask you about one other player who was down there on the interior defensive line, and that is Zach Pickens from South Carolina, another South Carolina Gamecock we're going to be talking about here. This dude was a former five-star, highly recruited, and then he goes down to South Carolina and doesn't really do all that much. So I was wondering, did he make any splash plays or show up at all during the Senior Bowl week? Yeah, I mean, he, he did here and there. Uh, it wasn't anything too special. It certainly wasn't as consistent as some of the other names that we saw. But I think one of the biggest things that stood out to me was just kind of his overall size. Um, he, he looks like he has in, in incredibly long arms. And I think as, as you look at, you know, potentially playing him as a four-eye, playing him as a three-technique, it's probably where he's best suited at the next level. So you more than likely going to be like that odd front type of defender, even though there is no three, four, four, three in the NFL anymore, but he, you know, more comfortable probably in that odd front. And I thought at times, you know, he generated some pass rush skills, but he he just wasn't somebody that was consistent enough throughout the week where when you would watch him in one-on-ones, it was like, Oh, Zach Pickens, let me write that down. Oh, Zach Pickens again. Let me write that down. Where some of these other names that we've talked about, it was just snap after snap after snap. So I, I think he is super intriguing though. You mentioned the top recruit, He's just, he's got, you know, plenty of experience in his career. It's just a matter of where he ends up going. And and it's probably more of a day three pick type of guy, but is he part of a rotation early in his career? And does it start clicking in the NFL? And then he kind of becomes a starter. I think it's possible. Um, And I I think, as we mentioned, you know, with the giants is they, they look on kind of day three of the draft. They got a ton of day three draft capital. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, kind of swung at a guy like this. Um, just simply because of the potential that there is there. One more defensive lineman I want to get your thoughts on, uh, only because, you know, it's not, I don't want to go too far down narrative street, Russ, but I did listen to, I did follow some of the senior bowl coverage this week. And one interview that I, that I heard that really stood out to me, uh, I just felt like he was insanely smart in the interview. I know he talked about like how, you know, his career, at, or I should say his life at Georgia Tech really gave him like, a leg up from that standpoint, from the mental processing standpoint, he had to like learn coding his first year. And that's Keon white, the freakish six foot five, 286 pound defensive lineman. I listening to him. I was like, this dude is going to make it at the next level. I want to just go over what 
Daniel Jeremiah said about him first because that really stood out to me. Jeremiah said he came in as my top-rated senior bowl player, and I thought he improved every day. He didn't have that wow moment that jumped out to everyone, but he was steady. He's big-time power. We saw it in the one-on-ones in the team period on Thursday, and he's a round-one player for me, and he has him as his eighth overall player in this class. Do you see him as someone who could kind of move into the top 10 or top 15 of this draft? Personally, no, Uh, but – that's just me, um, and we all evaluate things differently. And yep. I, I, I thought when I saw him come in as eight or nine on that board, I was like, "Well, that's that's a little surprising to yeah. me." But he he's got the size, right? He's six five. He's two eighty two, and that that's the thing that I struggle with is what's the weight that he's going to play at? Because when I see guys like that, the first player that comes in my head is Carlos Basham from two mm-hmm. three years ago. All over the board with his weight. He was playing down at 262 to 265 during the season, but now he's up to 285. I just wonder what that's all about. And there were times when I would watch him and like he'd make a good play, but then there was times that he would get chest to chest with offensive tackles, get kind of bodied. And I get it. It was hot down there at times and you're playing, you're performing. And then there were times where like, it like almost looked like he was like beat up and like wincing for, you know, he was in pain. So like that kind of worries me in a sense, but you can't overlook his size and his length and the just kind of the blend of power and speed to his game. I think he's probably more of that four eye five technique at the next level. I would be comfortable with taking him in the back end of the first round more so than in the top 10, top 15. But I, I mean, teams do crazy things and they value these guys all over the board. And I'm kind of the same way with like Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. I'm kind of hot and cold on him, just like Keon white, but he was, he was at times very impressive. He could long arm, he could counter back inside. He just hasn't played a ton of football over the last, you know, two years. That's kind of my my biggest thing is, you know, he only played, you know, 500, uh, almost like 600 snaps this past season. But he's really playing outside the tackle box. That might be the best spot for him. Maybe you tilt him at times. But for him to really, I think, thrive, he's got to find the comfortable weight. Is it 270 that he plays right. at? We'll kind of see. Because when I get those guys that have to stand up off the edge and are 280-plus pounds, it just it's unnerving for me because I don't think they're as productive as some other guys. So you're talking about like a Jihad Ward? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Giant fans, we're, we're well aware of that, even though I like I liked his role with the New York Giants, yeah. Jihad Ward, but now he's a free agent, so the Giants may be looking for a player similar to his build. But I have somebody who is absolutely not that build whatsoever, an edge rusher named Will McDonald from Iowa State. I knew you were going there. Uh, yes. Is he going to be relegated, you think, to like an early down just pass specialist role since he's like 240 pounds? Or does he have like sneaky, I would say like physicality to his ability to defend the run? What are your opinions on Will McDonald? I like Will McDonald. I mean, he's got a really nice spin move. I think there's times he kind of goes to the well too many times. And he played all over the place in Iowa State's odd front defense, right? That stupid 3-3-5 that they run. But he plays, you know, four eye, a five technique. And I, I think he can he can do that at the next level. And probably one of those guys, NFL coaching, NFL weight room, maybe adds five pounds because he's super athletic. He can get stronger and he can hold his own. But I do like him as that pass rushing specialist. Definitely a day two pick for me. But there was some buzz that he did enough this week where, you know, as we get to the back end of the, of the first round, teams that are good and they know that they're not going to get those guys early on day two, they just kind of take a swing and they they bet on traits. And I think McDonald's got a lot of intriguing traits. He's got long arms. He can long arm. You've seen him kind of chop back inside as he counters. And then obviously the spin move is there. So I like him probably more as that five, six technique type of player. But he's 
he's physical enough to where he could bump inside. So I, he's, he would be really intriguing for, for the Giants if they, you know, let's say they took a John Michael Schmitz in the, at the back end of the first round, just hypothetically speaking, they package something and move up in round two and end up taking a Will McDonald. I think that's kind of a win-win for them as they maybe try to reload the trenches. Yeah, speaking of those kind of like pass rusher types that maybe um, have to work on other parts of their game or can be limited to just passing downs early on, what are your thoughts? Of, and this may be way off on this evaluation, just kind of my feel from what I thought just watching him in the one-on-one drills and looking at his body build. What are your thoughts on Ivan Ivan Pace? Because I know he got a lot of attention this week, and I saw some of those one-on-one drills, and he kind of looked like almost like a defensive back making those moves. So what are your thoughts on him? He's super intriguing, right? Like really productive at Cincinnati. I don't know if he has like a a natural spot on a defense. He's probably, Mm -hmm. you know, that versatile weapon that you can play inside as a linebacker, rush him off the edge, probably going to be more so of like that sub package blitzer from time to time. And I, I think he's definitely a rotational piece at the second level of a defense. And again, maybe on third down, he's, you know, looking like he's sugar in the A gap and he's going to end up blitzing. Maybe there's more simulated pressures with a guy like that. So as we mentioned, like, you know, Jihad Ward, I think he, Ivan Pace might be kind of perfect for that type of role. Okay. Not necessarily, not necessarily the same type of length or really the same type of player as they came out of college. But I just, I think with his comfort skills, as he can maybe become a, you know, curl flats, you know, defender, um, and again, as somebody that can blitz, I think he's super effective in that role. But the big play that probably stood out to everybody was yesterday. He blew up Osiris Torrance, who's 340 pounds. I mean, he just leveled him. So I think there's plenty of power with pace. It's just maybe more so the speed factor of the NFL. How are his pursuit angles going to be? How does he do with run fits? Can he shed blocks? And I think that's the big thing with him. But as a blitzer, I love him, especially as like maybe that third down pass rusher. Russell, I have a random question. Did you watch Tulane's defense yet This uh, throughout no, your process? I have, I have not. Okay, so you haven't seen Dorian Williams? No, I have not. But he was somebody that I know a lot of people took a liking to because he was a small school guy. And as we try to find those diamonds in the rough, I know a lot of people feel like he could be somebody that you get him in the right hands, he could really become a guy. Yeah, Williams was at the Senior Bowl, but the only reason I, I brought up Tulane's defense was because Ivan Pace, the dude's 5'11", right? 5'11", linebacker, that's not good. But Dorian Williams' teammate, Nick Anderson, when I was watching Tulane's film, he's like maybe like 5'10", as a linebacker, didn't receive any invites to the Senior Bowl, didn't receive any invites to the East-West Shrine game. But when you watched his tape, you were like, this guy's a really damn good football player. And I heard no buzz on him. The only reason I kind of was introduced to Nick Anderson was because I was watching Dorian Williams. So I was just wondering if other people like knew about this guy and was hoping that he had that Grant Stewart type of uh, a profile where he ends up being like Mr. Irrelevant and just being like a stud special teamer somewhere in the NFL. But it's kind of irrelevant to this conversation. But Russell, let me ask you this. So we didn't really talk too much about just pure edge rushers other than Will McDonald. So do you have any other insights on just the edge rushing group? Because the Giants, even though they spent a first and second round pick in that position group over the last two drafts, they're still in the market for an edge rusher. So what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a a fairly deep edge rusher group. Um, Somebody that probably didn't get a ton of buzz was Isaiah McGuire out of Missouri. Uh, Somebody that has tons of, you know, snaps and experience and things like that. But I, I just I like his length. I like kind of the juice that he's he plays with. You know, there's times that he displays overall speed rushes. There's times that he shows some power rushes. But he, he understands how to use his length to his advantage. And I think when you can create that separation and he's able to kind of at, at times just go after the passer with a long arm or he's trying to stop the run, kind of helps him two gap from time to time. 
I think he's super intriguing. He didn't get a lot of buzz this week, but from the reps I saw, I thought he at times stood out. Now, again, there's times that he doesn't use the length to his advantage, gets chest to chest, gets bullied. So I, I just, I think as you look at day three, Isaiah McGuire, Missouri, uh, the, the other player, Derek Hall, bless you, Dan. Uh, <laughs> the other player is Derek Hall from Auburn. I think it's just a pure pass rusher. He's really intriguing because he's got kind of this rocked up frame at 6'3", 250. And I think as just a stand-up edge rusher, you know, you think of Kansas City Chiefs, right? Frank Clark type of player, just going to stand up off the edge, go after it and get it. He played similar to that Boye Mafi role last year. Now, he's not as explosive as, as a Boye Mafi, but for some reason, Auburn was dropping him curl to flats. I never understand why guys that are pass rushers on third down are dropping back. Sometimes I get it, but when you're doing it consistently, you're just taking you know the opportunity to get the quarterback away. But he was he was definitely a guy that showed that blend of power and speed. Now there there were times he got bullied. It's going to happen. He's only six three, but I think he's super intriguing as a day two option for teams. And I thought going into the week he could have really kind of stood out and became a borderline first rounder. I don't think that was necessarily the case this week, but as a day two pick, I, I would be really intrigued if my team ended up with Derek Hall. Dude almost has 35-inch arms, by the way. Yeah, yeah then the, super long. Then the Missouri kid has like Will Fuller hands. It's like almost like eight inches. <laughs> like yeah. it's like eight, it's, eight it's, five, eight, small asset hands, man. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. I've got a few other players I want to ask you about if we want to go rapid fire. I know you've already given us a lot of your time, Russell. So if you got to go, just let <laughs> us know. Give us, give us a little thumbs up. But obviously, I mean, you couldn't follow the Senior Bowl this week without hearing about running back Taji Spears from... Uh, and I might be Tajay, Tajay or Taji. I think it's Tajay probably. I'm just guessing there. Um, the Tulane running back. I just, so for me, like in my ideal build, I feel like across the NFL, you can build out different position groups in a lot of different ways. And there are cases on both sides that can be weighed pretty evenly throughout all positions. For running back for me, there's like a case that was like when you start to weigh the scale of like each case, it starts to go up and up and up and the others dropping and dropping and dropping, imagining like an actual scale when it comes to, if you just follow the process of consistently recycling running backs that you get in the draft and letting them play out their four-year rookie contract for like a one mil cap hit or less, you take two or three of them, you have two or three, every, you know, every cycle, you have at least two or three of these guys, you're going to win long-term. Like that is a winning process right there. So I don't necessarily think this guy can be like a workhorse. Like we saw with the giants this year, like Barkley, I think played 75.1% of their running back snaps. That's not what he's going to do. But if you build out a core that has a Taji Spears and then two other guys, like for example, with a good offensive line, I think you can really win. And I was really impressed with some of what he's been able to do from not just like his ability to cut in space, but like the vision to set up those, to set up those cuts that he's making. What are your thoughts on Spears? Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued with him. He was somebody that as a pass catcher, he could do just about anything, whether it was running to the flats or he would start to the flats and then he'd kind of run that whip route, run back inside. He could plant, he could do a bunch of different things. And I, I like his skill set. He, he could see the field really well. He had some explosive cuts. And it just it felt like he was the best running back there when it was all said and done, just because wow. of how his performance was consistently every single day. Now, I don't know if that necessarily would have been the case if uh, Roshan Johnson wouldn't have broke his hand out of Texas. But uh, Spears, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if he's necessarily a three down back, but he's definitely a role player. And as we look at the NFL, there's so many interchangeable parts out of the backfield with guys that can catch passes. They're short yardage. Uh, there's somebody that can just kind of provide some juice on a on a second and four or something like that and go and get you seven, eight yards with one cut. 
So I think Spears is that type of guy. He's going to go out and get you five, six yards here and there. He's going to catch you some passes. You might be able to align him in the slot because he's not completely oversized as far as, you know, he's not like 220 pounds. He, he's got the route running ability to kind of align everywhere. So he, he was really impressive. Uh, the other guy, Roshan Johnson, as I mentioned, had he not broke his hand, I think we'd be talking about him quite a bit this past week. He was a former quarterback, converted to running back. As you think about Wildcat stuff, which we saw Barkley do from time to time, mm-hmm. Roshan Johnson might be able to kind of become that guy uh, for an organization like this because of, you know, just what he provides with that physical style. He's 6'2", 220, and he is, I mean, he's a jack 6'2", 220. He moves really well for that size. And I think as a pass catcher as well, he, he can kind of provide that. So if you need somebody that's going to play 15, 25% of the snaps, Roshan would be really intriguing. And I, I think Spears, Roshan were the, the two guys that just, even though Roshan played one practice, it was like enough to say, okay, this dude's kind of legit. And, um, and I will just say lastly, and I'm, I'm kind of maybe taking up too much time on this question, but Kenny McIntosh from Georgia is another name. He was really solid as far as picking up blitzes. I thought as a pass catcher, he was going to be the best guy. I thought he was fairly consistent, just not as good as Spears. But I'm a big Kenny McIntosh guy. He didn't play a ton at Georgia, didn't get a ton of production. But I think in the NFL, that might change a little bit. I'm glad you brought up Roshan Johnson just because he's somebody who everybody's going to talk about his teammate, Robinson, right, B. John, because he's going to be a first-round pick. But Johnson was also really talented from everything I've heard. I'm actually excited to get into just the Texas offense to watch both of those studs. But one more question on offensive linemen that we kind of glossed over before. The TCU interior offensive lineman, Steve Avila. And then also you brought up the Florida offensive lineman. Can you just expound on both of their skill sets and where you think they might be drafted come April? Yeah, I mean, after this week, I I wasn't too high on Osiris coming in. I thought there were times that, you know, his short arms kind of played to his disadvantage. It looked, you know, looked like super short arms. Um, but he ended up playing really well uh, at the con- or at the uh, Senior Bowl just because of his overall power. I mean, it's hard to run through this guy. You're not going to be able to. And you put him at guard, and if you have a pretty decent right tackle next to him, I think it's going to work out pretty well. I love the fit for you know my team, Detroit, to actually take him because they're looking for a right guard. You put him next to Frank Ragnow and Panay Sewell, I think it's a, it's a tremendous trio right there along the right side of the offensive line. He kind of looks like a Seattle Seahawk, though, just somebody that kind of plug and play at, at right guard for them. But I like his skill set quite a bit. Um, to see him check in at, at under 340 pounds was was huge for him. And he's he's played a bunch of football in the last three years. I mean, he's got over, you know, 2,200 career snaps. And he's not somebody that gives up a ton of pressure. He, he transferred from Louisiana to Florida. So to see a guy like that, you know, potentially go in the first round, it's going to be, you know, really good to see, especially for the senior bowl, but for any team that's looking for kind of a plug and play guard. The other name you mentioned, Steve Avila. I really like him as somebody that can pull the way he operates in space, former center, can play kind of everywhere. He's played literally every position other than left tackle for the Horned Frogs. I think he's definitely a plug and play right guard or left guard. And he was somebody that as I talked to him, he just really talked about how every day he was trying to get better. And he really was like, as I have a bad day or I have a bad rep, I make a mental note of it. And then I just get to the field and I really focus on that type of thing that I did wrong, whatever it might've been, whether it's, I, I dealt with a speed rusher the wrong way, or I, I didn't translate, you know, my, or, you know, translate my weight from my post foot to my, my set foot evenly. Uh, I maybe hit too high. And he was a student on the game. You could tell he watched a lot of tape. He, he talked about how, you know, when he played against Texas, that was 
you know, by far one of the more difficult teams he played against. Uh, and he was somebody that, as he, as he talked about it, he would go how his team would watch it together as an offensive line and then how he would watch it separately. And like the team would kind of leave and he would just kind of stay in there and keep grinding out the tape. So I like guys like that. And I, I think with, with his ability, he could be a, a really, you know, nice piece to an offensive line because I think, you know, what you see with him is what you're probably going to get. I don't know if he necessarily gets, you know, to the, to the next level of guards, but I think he's a, he's got the starting caliber at the next level already. Nice. I got a couple others. I want to ask you a quick fire and then we'll let you get out of here. I want to ask you about a player that I don't know much about, but I'm always intrigued when I see this profile and I'll tell you why I'm intrigued first. I mean, you taught Nick spoke earlier about how the giants really haven't had a really impact center since he said 10 years, it's been 15 years since Sean O'Hara played on this team or maybe a few years less than that, but another position or role they haven't really had in almost or more than a decade, really since the mid two thousands was a coverage linebacker, really since Michael Boley was on this roster, the giants not at a coverage linebacker. And so I want to ask you a little bit about Diane Henley out of uh, Washington state. He was a wide receiver who converted to a linebacker, which is always an intriguing thing for me. Do you see him as a potential impact player at the next level in like coverage or just kind of a linebacker who you can use in different uh, variety of roles? Yeah, absolutely. He was somebody that checked in with just a great frame um, as far as how how strong he is and, and the muscle that he has to his frame. You know, he's a little bit undersized, but when you see those guys and you just see that he puts the work in in the weight room, it's very encouraging. And then you look and watch him run. He's running in stride with wide receivers or, you know, running backs wow. on the backfield, tight ends and things like that. It was really special to watch him play because it, it felt like the first two days of practice in pass coverage felt like he didn't lose a rep. I mean, there were times yeah. he was playing through the catch point. He was getting super physical with guys. He had some pretty decent run fits. So I'm very intrigued with him. I liked his tape. I didn't love his tape. I thought there were times that he didn't disengage blocks. But when you watch him in those one-on-one situations, and as you mentioned, coverage, you need a guy like this to maybe be that mid-hook guy or drop curl flats. That's going to be the type of guy that I think you utilize quite a bit because he's got, as you mentioned, the quarterback background. He was also a safety at Washington State before he became that linebacker. So I think he's got the knowledge of passing concepts, of coverage concepts, and he's going to be a guy that probably flies under the radar, but he might end up being one of the better linebackers in this class because I don't think it's a great linebacker class. I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's as good as we've seen. And when you kind of need that diamond in the rough, I think maybe it's Henley as, as that guy. I like that. That's Diane Henley out of Washington state. Nick, do you have a few others or before I, I have one more after this, but I want to let you get in. Nah, Dan, you, you fire away. And then we'll All let right, one more. Out. One final one is going to be, so last year, and you, you'll you know all about this player, one of my favorite sleepers in the, in the entire class, and I think I've talked about him on like our last three podcasts before the draft, was Kirby Joseph, the safety out of Illinois. And I just like, when I watch his tape, I just like this, sometimes with those safeties, especially those deep half guys, you just know what they're going to, in my opinion, you know they can translate. And I missed on one of them, the Cal kid, who the Jets drafted a few years ago in the third round, but Antoine Winfield and, and Kirby Joseph, I'm just like, these dudes are going to hit at the NFL level. And I remember watching Joseph this year. Was there a game he had, is either two or three interceptions in a game? Um, was that against Dak maybe, or no, not against Dak? I think it was against Aaron Rodgers, wasn't it? Rodgers. Yeah, it was against Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Yeah, right at the end. Of the, I mean, it was either a two or three interception game against Rodgers, which is insanely impressive. But another player from Illinois who's not really the Kirby Joseph type, but someone who's now intrigued me is Sidney Brown, who 
I guess he's a safety, but some people think he might be able to be a corner at the next level. Insane athlete. So one of those project, you know, bet on traits type players. What do you see from Sidney Brown? What are your thoughts on him? I'm with you, Dan. I think he's yeah. a, a real big sleeper, six foot two thirteen, moves incredibly well for just being absolutely yoked. I mean, this dude is like chiseled and he was showing off the six pack all week, but I love him as, as a box defender, somebody that could probably be that buzz defender. He's going to definitely be, you know, an overhang guy from time to time. He's going to, he immediately screams special teams. Like you're going to put him out there. He played well over 300 special team snaps in his career. He's going to easily do that in the NFL and some, and I, I think as you, you look at defenses as they rotate guys in and out, he might be that rotational defensive back, but then eventually he's going to be a starter. I mean, it's just the way he looks like he's wired. Um, I, I love the skill set. Super physical. He can he can tackle. He comes downhill quickly. I I, I love the skill set there. I, I'm with you. I think, you know, probably he could be a late day two pick, maybe a day three pick, but no matter where he goes, he's he's just going to be an impact guy sooner rather than later. Awesome. Who's go- who's going to get drafted first, Sydney or his brother Chase, who was also down at the Senior Bowl, a running back from the same school? Yeah, I'm going to go with Sydney. I I, I think okay. uh, Sydney was definitely just more consistent from what I saw. Chase, we all kind of expected a little bit more from him, and it just it didn't end up happening for him. But I I do like Chase, but again, he's probably a day three pick, and he's probably again more of that rotational guy that takes up ten percent of your offensive snaps and probably plays a little bit of special teams. Yeah. Awesome stuff. I mean, look, uh, anyone who's listened to the, just listened to this podcast knows what we just got, which was an incredible delivery from Russ Brown. This was excellent stuff. We have a lot of guests on this show. This is one of my favorite ones we've done. Just jam packed with information from start to finish. So before we go, Russ, can you tell everyone where they can find your work? Not only just on Twitter, but where they can support your work. Yeah, I mean, CoverOne.net is where I do a lot of written content and podcasts um, and things like that. So you go there, you can find the Cover One uh, Draft Weekly Show, which is on YouTube. Uh, you can subscribe to that. Obviously, subscribe to your guys' show. It's phenomenal every single week that you guys do it. Um, and then, you know, really a lot of my stuff's just on Twitter, at Russ NFL Draft. I do a lot of just football breakdown as far as videos and draft notes on players. I love researching about these guys, whether it's track and field stuff or basketball stuff. I mean, there's just so much. Uh, to know about these players. I love just doing the research and I love providing it to everybody out there. So I appreciate you guys having me. It was a lot of fun. And I know a lot of people who have listened to our show recently have asked me like, all right, it's draft season. We're almost here. Who should I follow on Twitter? Well, here's one that you should definitely follow on Twitter. It's at Russ NFL draft. You're going to get a lot of great content just from the Twitter alone. In in addition to everything he does with cover one. So make sure you, anyone who's asking that question, add him right to your list right now. Otherwise, everyone have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.